Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. Today, we're talking about dignified aging, aging with uh, dignity, and about opportunities that we have for underserved communities in our country for those of us who are older. My guest is Candace Robinson. She's the Director of Strategic Aging Initiatives at Capital Impact Partners, where she assists communities, foundations, states, and the federal government in the development of community-based long-term support options systems and sustained infrastructure to expand access for older adults so that they can age in their communities with dignity and choice. Capital Impact Partners is a national nonprofit community development financial institution. And again, they deliver strategic financing and they're very catalytic in developing new social programs and particularly to provide capacity building to help ensure that low to moderate income individuals have access to quality health care, education, healthy foods, affordable housing, and the ability to age with dignity. Welcome, Candice. Thank you, Patricia. So happy to be here today. So describe a a little bit. I I described what you do, but describe it a little more in layman's terms of how Capital Impact Partners is really helping the older Dell community, particularly in the underserved areas. Sure, happy to do so. So, Capital Impact Partners, as you said, is a a community development financial institution, a CDFI. And for those of you who don't know CDFIs, we were born out of the civil rights era, where we were providing capital to underserved communities where there was either perceived risk or uh, redlining or racism in housing lending created a void of capital. And so CDFIs kind of stepped into that space early on. And since that, their inception, there are over a thousand CDFIs existing today to provide capital and access to economic opportunity for underserved and, um, and vulnerable communities that, for whatever reason, have not been able to kind of get themselves to a place where they need to, to, to have the services and access to the supports they need to be um, successful across the life spectrum. Our organization is focused on, uh, you know, creating um, communities of opportunity. We do this, as you said, through catalytic investments, through direct debt lending, and also through an innovative and policy and practice initiative that really highlight challenges and barriers to success for these communities and work with the partners in those communities to really solve those issues. That's really where our aging work has has lasted. Um, We focus our work through a a health equity lens to try to break down some of the systems that have uh, kind of prevented older adults from being able to be successful. So So I've dedicated my 20 years in this area to that work. Yes. What would you say are the domains of sort of what you work on? I mean, in terms of the areas, the domains of age-friendly, what would they be? Sure. We, as our organization, I like to say we invest in all the social determinants of health um, and also across the entire age spectrum. As you know, with age-friendly um, systems, there are eight domains. We, I would say, our facility-based financing, our debt lending has really focused on um, housing, healthy food access, 
um, development of healthcare facilities, whether they be federally qualified healthcare centers, um, senior centers, PACE providers. Um, we also are fund- financing um, cooperative development and worker ownership, so that we're also in um, helping to support entrepreneur and community ownership of some of these solutions. We also do a fair number amount of our investment in charter schools. So in, while not specific to the age aging specifically, um, we do work with building stronger communities where older adults can thrive. How do capital impact partners come to recognize healthy aging and that supporting seniors is a real priority? You know, we have a huge population of seniors of older adults. Sure. I mean, I think you know, capital impact is in the business of creating healthy communities. Um, and in order to do that, we can't necessarily segregate and only help certain people or certain populations within those communities. This is a holistic, um, you know, act, activity that really requires, um, you know, kind of the sheer growth, uh, understanding the sheer growth of the aging population and its overwhelming evidence that community-based solutions in our communities are not necessarily systems aren't qu- quite set up to um, link or coordinate care across the the spectrum, the age spectrum. And so, what we're working on, um, you know, we we want folks to have positive health outcomes. Um, and we understand that you know, care only really impacts about twenty percent of your overall health. The environment where you live, access to social activities, behavioral supports, changes in your personal behavior, those things have greater impacts. And so, we feel like in order for us to make investments in building real good communities of opportunity that provide choice, dignity, and independence for older, vulnerable older adults, we really need to look at the whole community and how are all of these systems working together. Um, we started working in this area with, uh, with our program with the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation and early, you know, pre-Affordable Care Act, really understanding how these systems coordinate together. How do you get housing and services to work together? How do you get transportation and housing and, and jobs to work together? There's lots of systems within our communities that, unfortunately, we've kept silent. Um, and I think through investment, through opportunity to help create better, stronger provider capacity within the community to make those connections and really talk about integrated, coordinated care, that's what we really care about. We feel like that's going to allow us to have the best yes. overall, um, improve health outcomes overall. And, and how do you go about doing that? How do you get all of these different organizations, if you will, and components together to, you know, sit down at the table together and say, let's not be siloed anymore, but let's work in an integrated fashion? How do you do that? Sure, sure. So I think we do it in a couple different ways. One, we're not a prescriptive organization. So we, we want solutions to come from the community. You know, come to us and tell us what you think is going to work best in your community and why and what investment you need to do that. And that's typically where our, our direct debt lending comes from. Our you know, providers will come to us and say, I'm trying to build X um, because it will, it, you know, I'm trying to build a new community health center so that I can serve this many more patients, you know, those kinds of outcomes. We look at what, what is the outcome, who are the impacts that you're trying to serve within their community. We also work on scaling models. So, you know, if we're looking at solutions that many communities have, and I'll take one in particular, lack of access to long-term care facilities, mm-hmm. right? you know, the, yeah. the ability to choose between home, assisted living, an adult day health care, a nursing home. But if you live in a community where really it's home or nursing home, there's not a lot of choice there. And we feel like, you know, choice should really not be, you know, be 
on income-based. Choice should happen regardless of your income. And so what we've been doing is also working locally with communities to say, how do we help you build your capacity within your community to build some of these models and bring them to bear? So we've done some listening sessions with our federally qualified health centers to understand what their needs are from a capacity perspective, what, what providers need as far as knowledge base to help serve older adults, as well as what kind of financing they might need. Yeah. What about helping people in, in the lower income communities get back to work, even though they're older? Are there opportunities where you can help them help themselves in a way, give a hand up? Sure. I, mean, I think that, you know, if we, when we talk about aging, you know, I just want to say that we, we tend to think that anybody over 65 is a homogenous group, and it's not. Everyone's unique and different, and you can work till you're 90 if you choose to. Um, no one tells you when you get to stop working. And, and, and yet, at the same time, vulnerable populations, individuals who have been in low-income, um, kind of in a low-income place all of their life because they've been working in service, they you know, maybe not have made a large salary, are burdened to be able to kind of work even longer. And this was an area of concern that we had specifically when we were talking about through our home care co-op model. Um, we're looking at home care cooperatives or you know, just home care in general and knowing that we need 13 million new home care caregivers to even meet the growing demand. And that's a net amount of people that we need. If our current rate of turnover, for instance, in the home care industry is about 80%, we're going to need to have a lot more home care, you know, folks trained and to do so. What we also found when we were looking at that model is that there's a large number of women who, and primarily women, I say that I'm sorry to the men who are home care workers. I'm sure there are many of you out there, but there's an overwhelming um, percentage of women that are in their over 50 working as home care aides. And how how long can you do that? I think that's the concern. How long is that tenable? And so we went to look at, you know, we've been working on the home care cooperative model for a, a number of years with partners nationally on scaling that cooperative worker-owned business. It's basically a home care agency, no different mm-hmm. than anyone else, but it's governed and, and run by its own workers. And what we felt that that was became a safe haven for older women in the home care space who could no longer physically work maybe in the field at least 40 to 60 hours a week and maybe wanted to take that institutional knowledge and transition themselves into a place where they can be an owner and that they can also, mm. you know, lead mediation, train others, create, you know, there's still knowledge base that's there. Mm. And I think that that, while I provided that in the home care example for ours, I think that translates to any business. But there's knowledge amongst our older adults that we really need to um, encourage to in, um, incentivize and also really acknowledge before yeah. we yeah, and, You know, I want to speak to what you just said because I've been, you know, out there in the field and working with some agencies that are looking for home care providers. And you're right, there's a tremendous shortage mm-hmm. and there's such a need yeah. because people want to age in place at home. And a lot of them really want the caregiver in their home. And it's, it's really a struggle to find mm-hmm. the right people. So I think that's, uh, you know, a very important piece. Well, I think there's, you know, if I could speak to that a little bit, the home care space is that we need to also pay these individuals well enough to make it a valuable job. Yes. We have found that, you know, through a quality job results in quality care. And if we can take care of the workers, we have to understand that these, these women also have children and families that they're trying to support. And if we only right. pay them 
$9 an hour, and we expect them to be superwoman, we're, we have to manage some expectations. And so I think that there's a balanced approach between providing a better job and a career ladder and an opportunity, but also acknowledging through our either our payment, through our our financing sources through the way in which we reimburse for these that these services that we're actually valuing the work that they're doing and not just you know carving off a small proportion because as you say this demand for home care is going to increase yes, more. in the next you yeah. know 10 15 years and we're not yeah. prepared as a community to deal with that Yeah, it's very important. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Candace Robinson more from Capital Impact Partners about the needs for for adult care uh, for in the senior communities and about choice that we have and about what Capital Impact Partners is doing, you know, financially to help these underserved communities. We're going to talk about the sandwich generation and about how communities can be more prepared for the growing needs of seniors. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice, and we will be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you understand your feline friends as well as you'd like? Why do they behave the way they do? If behavior issues get out of hand, how do you fix things? Get the answers and more when you listen to Cat Talk Radio with host Molly DeVos. We'll give you the straight facts, offer some tried and tested ideas, and alert you as to what's being done in this country and worldwide to save cats and shelter challenges. Cat Talk Radio on Voice America Variety. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. 
Hi, everyone, and we are back. We are talking to Candace Robinson, who is the Director of Strategic Aging Initiatives at Capital Impact Partners, where she assists communities and foundations and states and the federal government in the development of community-based long-term support options, systems, and sustained infrastructure to expand access for older adults to age in their communities with dignity and choice. Welcome back, Candace. All right, so... All right, so I have, um, you know, the question I have is how can we prepare communities to support the growing needs of seniors, even on a grassroots level? I mean, we have senior centers, we certainly have departments of aging, and we have, you know, local state agencies, but how do we really support because we have such a baby boomer population, and as we say, we're, I think, 85 plus is the fastest growing population in our country. So what do you say to those communities who just say, you know, we see the growth, how do we handle it? Sure. I mean, I think there's, it's a loaded question because I think there's lots of different ways in which each community can solve their, for their own problem. I think that what we have found is that certainly the age-friendly communities designation designating yourselves as a livable community and are really growing designations that can help, uh, you know, at least solidify a strategy or, or kind of engage a community around a central vision or thinking, which is half the battle. Uh, I think communities are like the challenge that we have and what we're seeing is that these communities are built in silos. And so all of these different funding mm. tracks, these different programs, these different providers are all kind of in a separate space. But if you think about aging, aging is a holistic and comprehensive experience, right? You can't just look at health. You can't just look at housing. You can't just look at transportation or food. Right. All of those things go into the life. And so, again, we have to reach shift our systems that manage these delivery of these types of service and access to these things to be much more coordinated and integrated Um, from at least even at the patient level all the way up to, you know, kind of the state governments. You know, how are we talking, how does money share hands? How do we look at different integrated, um, you know, different ways of financing can be moved around as well as really looking at affordability, Um, I think what we're finding is that a lot of growth, rapid growth, gentrification, and I think of D.C., I'm sorry, Washington, D.C., San Francisco, L.A., large, fast-moving, gentrifying um, communities where a lot of our older persons, even if they're 50 and older, not even frail olders, but just even that 50 and older, are kind of on that cusp. And they, they, they can really be, you know, we lose affordable housing units every year. We're losing opportunity to keep people in those communities and really create in diverse and inclusive communities. Because I think that's the other thing is that we think of, you know, we say, what do, what do we do for the aging? And it's like, oh, well, let's go build a building and put them out in the middle of nowhere. And that's not right. necessarily the solution, nor mm-hmm. is that what people really want. They want a community that looks and acts like the one they're living in today. They mm-hmm. should have the choice of I choose to live children near children or not live children. I want to see the kids play in the yard. I may not want to see the kids play in the yard. That's fine. I think it's a really about where do we put more investment into innovative and intergenerational solutions. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be if you build for the older adult, you've built for the rest of the community, right? So I think that we mm-hmm. think about it not as, oh, what do we do for older adults, but what do we do to make this community more inclusive mm-hmm. and integrated and coordinated, and all of that will solve for the communities or yeah, for older and, adults. And I, there I is some, say, you know, there's you know, a one, movement afoot where 
um, people will stay in their home and bring on somebody to live with them, not as a caregiver, but as a roommate. And it could be intergenerational. It could be a younger person. Yeah. So that's that's starting to happen, yes. you know, shared arrangements that are yeah. that are different, Absolutely. and that bring absolutely. You know, we 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 think of you know Zipcar and shared you know uh, Uber rides and Lyft rides. We we have a sharing economy right now. I don't see why housing wouldn't wouldn't be in that. And there are some exactly. really great models of shared um, living. I will say that you know a lot of what strikes me in this is a lot of this is innovation, right? You know, how do we get innovation going in this space and you know, remind folks that 2% of all philanthropic giving in our country right now goes to aging, and that's it. Mm. So we also have to think about how do we get more investment into the aging space, or how do we take some of the other in spaces, health, housing, transportation, food, where innovation and, mm. and investment is happening in those spaces with an aging lens. And that's really what Capital Impact has done. We, don't, we have a 20-year aging strategy, but we have an over, you know, that is a lens across all of our sectors yeah. that we work in. Yeah. I want you to speak a little bit about food and nutrition and healthy eating as we get older. Um, talk about that, how important that is, and how, how you see that from your lens. I mean, I think that, you know, it's not easy. And I will say that, you know, for someone who's also been the up and down, how, how do I eat better? What do I do with my, my own health? Um, you know, it's, it's not an easy course. I think we have to do more to make sure that we prevent a lot of chronic challenges. You know, folks who can stop quitting, you know, quit smoking earlier, have better results later in life from chronic disease. You know, if you drink, use it in moderation. I mean, these kinds of things. Go to your doctor. Go for a walk. It doesn't, you know, cost a lot of money to just kind of think about how do I eat better. Um, but then at the same time, if you don't have access to fresh foods, if you don't have access to fresh uh, good vegetables or whatnot, that becomes a challenge for our vulnerable populations. Or, you know, it takes three bus rides to get to a fresh apple. Um, so I think what we're also trying to do through our initiatives, our Michigan Good Food Fund, our Healthy California um, Fresh Food Fund that we worked on before, really about how do we bring access to healthy food into some of these communities. And so, you know, helping uh, the small bodegas on the corner and you know, put fruit in the front of their mm-hmm. building, as a, in, you know, as opposed to the back, you know, kind of thinking of retraining ourselves. Community gardens are a great way where folks can really understand and learn. And it's also a great intergenerational where children can learn about vegetables and what they taste like and how they feel. And there's just that convivium that comes along with that. I would say that nutrition is one area that, you know, and especially with our current threats to the SNAP program, current threats to Meals on Wheels, it, all it does is it just really kind of puts us in a bad, a hard position to really understand how we can nutritionally take care of our bodies, which is the one thing that most of us can control. So. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and there's more access to healthy food, to fresh food, yeah. and to food yeah. that you know, if it's yeah. not organic, it's it's again, it's not preservative, not canned, but whole. So right. there's more access yeah. now to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you? I would, you know, I would go say ahead. my. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. I, I was. I one more thing I wanted to ask you, unless you have another comment on this, is I wanted to ask you about socialization, because one of the things that happens is mm-hmm. we get older. Even if we have family, you know, there's there's no more loneliness and social isolation. 
address that. We've got about three minutes yeah. left, Candace. So tell us your, your take on that and where Capital Impact Partners is helping with that. Sure. I mean, I don't, I think Capital Impact is about building inclusive communities. And so I feel like we don't want to leave anyone behind. And so it's really about creating a uh, you know, culture within that community to make sure, are you keeping an eyes and ears out for the folks that are living? Talk to your neighbor. If you don't know them, ask for an egg. It's a great way to right. start a conversation. Just go across, knock on the door. Do you have an egg? No? Okay, but how are you doing today? It is a way to open the door. And I think that we need to be able to have an opportunity where we get back to really talking to our neighbors and find out who they are and what their needs might be. You may not be able to be solve all those problems, but at least get to that culture of where we're really in this yeah. together. And um, that's where the food comes in too. You could have a meal with your neighbor. And food, food comes in, transportation is a huge issue, especially. So, you know, think about if you're, if you have a car and your neighbor doesn't, and you know, you're going to drive to the grocery store, ask them if they want to ride, you know, maybe they not need anything, but they just might like to have the ride and go out and talk to somebody. So you know, I would say just keep an eye on, on folks. And there's lots of social isolation, you know, studies. There's lots of activities that folks are doing in their communities. You know, take advantage, get to know them, ask. Um, if you don't know, call your area agency on aging. They will know at least to be, get you started on you know, what, what's happening in your community where you can get connected. And I would say if, you, if, you're, in a, if you're lucky to be in a neighborhood where there's a village, you know, those are, the village model definitely I have to put a shout out for them. Um, they definitely can create some opportunities for more activism and, and opportunities to connect socially with your neighbors. Wonderful. And so, closing thoughts, what would you like advice. to leave our listeners yeah. in terms of dignified aging and capital impact partners? So I would say that, you know, don't forget that aging is a holistic process. Um, and that is not just to be done in silos. And so as we think about anyone who's doing any community development, you know, think about aging from the lens of healthcare, housing, food, transportation, kind of all across the board, and really how do we create better cultures in our communities that are inclusive. Um, I would say that for those of you who are older adults, get up, get out, and raise your voice. I mean, you are the best advocates for yourself about what it is to have that lived experience, and people need to understand that. We don't understand what the aging process is, and we only learn it from those who are going through it. And so without that voice, we don't know how to solve the problems. And I would say, you know, those who are looking to volunteer and, and want to give some time to the community, you know, Try to connect with an older adult. Um, there's, you know, there's lots to be learned, and there's tons of wisdom that I have learned mm-hmm. from older adults just learning mm-hmm. about fascinating lives. So mm-hmm. those are my, my thoughts. Thank you so much, Candice. How can people find out more about Capital Impact Partners and the work that you're doing? You are more than welcome to come to our website at capitalimpact.org. Um, and we are a wealth of knowledge and information there, and we'd be happy to, to, to answer any questions that folks have. All right. Thanks so much, Candace Robinson. Again, Thank it you. was really wonderful to have you on. And Candace is the Director of Strategic Aging Incentives Initiatives at Capital Impact Partners. Thank you, Candace. Appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks, Patricia. I really appreciate it. All right, stand the line for a minute. All right, folks, that wraps up this half hour. Stay tuned. We'll be on with another program right after this, right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.